Hello, welcome to this week's bonus episode of Happiness. In this episode, I, Rachel, have a chat with one of our wonderful friends, Tim Clapp. Tim was one of the first people we worked with right in our early days of PNS. He released Not Your Problem and Fortune Favours a Bold for us on his label, Kingfisher Blues. Alongside releasing our very first record on vinyl, he's also released music for over 150 artists, including Peach Pit, Standard Fair, Colour Me Wednesday, and his own music under the title Tim the Mute. Alongside all this, Tim, based in Vancouver, also works in a record store, Neptune Records, and owns his own bookstore, Reasons to Live. I chatted to him about his very busy life and his very keen interest in all things British. This was recorded on the January the 18th, before we got the wonderful news in the UK about the lifting of lockdown. And we had a few audio problems, so apologise if I sound a little bit muffled at times, but I hope you enjoy it. So, how are you doing, Tim? What's been happening in the pandemic for you? Well, it's not so bad in Canada as it is compared to, or at least in Vancouver, it's not so bad compared to, like, the UK. So we get a lot of, I read a lot of the British news, you know, I'm a big Anglophile. So it seems, like, very dire over there. I mean, like, it's bad here, obviously, people are dying and stuff, but... It's not so, it's not like crazy, you know, um, I think it, I don't know what the stats are like now because I don't really watch the news or anything, but, yeah. um, you know, at, at one point in the pandemic, much earlier on, it was like saying, oh yeah, like in BC, like 25 people have died or whatever. And then in the UK, it was like a thousand people a day dying or something. I, I didn't realise it was that little in, in Canada, to be fair. It is really bad at the moment in the UK. So we're amidst, like, a national lockdown at the minute. Everything's closed. Can't really do anything. Like, I'm I'm staying at a friend's um, a friend's house at the moment who's in my support bubble. So you mm. can have a person who lives alone in your support bubble just to, like, a bit of emotional support and stuff, really. But other than that, I've not seen anyone in, in ages. Yeah, I think I have sort of ridiculous. a bigger bubble than most people. Uh, my, you know, because of the nature of my work, I'm around a lot of people. And That's I think good. my bubble's like maybe about 12 people or something. Oh, nice. Okay. So are you still going to work? Is it, the shop still open at the moment? Yeah, then? everything's still open. They There was like okay. a shutdown for like three months or something. They had like um, our shop closed, but we were just like working doing uh, pickups or whatever like all day people were showing up at, at the door and like we we're passing them records and stuff and then oh, that's nice yeah like so take like away service yeah but we were never we never ran out of stuff to do so we never like closed up totally like we were just no one was allowed in the store but we did deliveries right, okay. and stuff yeah it was fun and then i mean for what it is obviously it's like not good for business but overall it was like just something different that was like you know, it was like three months. And then since then we've been open. The government doesn't want to pay everyone to like close their business or whatever because everyone still has to pay rent, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you've, have you found that it's not really affected it too badly then, the pandemic generally? Or? Yeah, I think, well, I think Eastern Canada is a lot worse than Western Canada. But yeah, to my, um, not to, to shock your um, British listeners, but my my experience has been very tame compared to most people. Basically, everything mm. is the same except for there's no concerts. Mm. And, you know, I work at concerts and stuff selling uh, merch for bands. So, like, it's cut my, like, income in, like, half. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm spending less money as well, so. 
Yeah. I did get grills. I was just going to mention this, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so you got some money from the Canadian government. Is it kind of like a set wage, is it? We got, yeah, like two grand a month, every month. That's amazing. So yeah. is, is that still going on now or is that just doing No, it's ended months? now since everything uh-huh. opened up again. It was for like about six, seven months, I think. So everyone, no matter what income you had, got two grand a month? Yeah. That's amazing. So what what did you do with your two grand then, Tim? Well, I started collecting. I started collecting watches. I've been buying like, like little, fun watches, and um, and I've been like, you know, it's one of those things. Like a lot of people have got into like baking bread or like, I think I know a lot of people I know have bought like Le Creuset like crockpots and stuff, with their government money. A lot of people I know have bought like studio stuff because instead of playing shows, they're like, set up in their studio all day making music so they're buying like synthesizers and like new interfaces and stuff like that so i got really yeah i got some gold creativity teeth. isn't it then yeah this money input you know sorry carry on oh no it's like basically the best thing ever for like most of the people i know were dead happy with it yeah i got i got the bottom my bottom teeth done in gold which was really nice that's so cool that's great like in in the uk We've just had something called furlough, which you might have seen if you've been watching yeah. British TV shows and stuff. So we've just got um, 80% of your wages covered if you can't work. And there's loads of um, terms and conditions for it, basically. So there's been a lot of people that have fallen out of that bracket and just had to go on job seekers allowance, which is barely anything. And there's no jobs to seek at the moment mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so... I'm, I want to move to Canada, Tim, in all honesty. Yeah, that it's sounds, lovely. I mean, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's just a lot less people here, you know. Um, yeah. That's I wish true. that we had like a stricter lockdown because places like Australia had a very strict lockdown. And then, like, like our friends in Australia who are going on tour, like, yeah. You know, yeah, like they're, they're full, fully well. back open, Good. like, yeah. they're booking festivals for the summer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's but it's crazy. not like that where you are then no, no gigs there's no still festivals, people are like saying like there's tours now being booked for fall but no one really knows you know yeah same same with us yeah yeah it's same same deal so fingers crossed there's going to be a vaccine available by then but yeah i know a few people have been vaccinated and um okay yeah and it seems like i'll probably take the vaccine you know it seems like one of those things where you're like, oh, maybe I'll wait and see if like the first people keel over dead from it or whatever. <laughs> like, let someone else do take it first, and I'll take it second. You know. <laughs> oh dear! I mean, I feel like we're we're probably low risk though, right? Being young. Yeah, I think we're pretty low risk. Health conditions. And, yeah. I, I think I have quite a good immune system from just being like I. I normally am at shows every single night, so I like interact with like hundreds of people a day sometimes. So, mm-hmm. and that that'll be like every day. So I think my immune system has built up pretty well, and um, mm-hmm. and I've also been like, like taking my oil of oregano. I've been like wearing my mask. You know, I've been sanitizing my hands. Yeah, like it's allowed me to. I've been like buying all this like bougie, like Aesop hand cream and stuff. Yeah, this is like the the like sixty dollar hand cream. You so bougie, Tim. I'm bougie. Honestly, I am sixty dollars. Yeah, 
Knock me out. Oh, it's it is delicious. I want to eat it. Oh wow! Yeah, it's like mandarin orange or something. Ooh! Some sound effects. I'll do this close to the mic here. Yeah. That smooth, that yeah, nice geranium smooth leaf. Hand that's cream. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's some good stuff. So I've been, yeah, I've been sanitizing my hands a lot, but I think like I've probably never gone so long without, um, without getting sick. Like I haven't been sick in a year, you know. And normally I get sick a couple times through yeah. a year, you know. Mm-hmm. So you don't think you've had COVID or anything? Then you don't. I don't think so. I haven't been sick the whole time. I think the last time I was mm-hmm. sick was probably like last last february so i could could have been on it like very early you know mm-hmm. but i really don't think so because i didn't lose my sense of smell or anything but it could be very mm-hmm. i mean like that's the thing you don't really know some people have it and are asymptomatic and yeah. i just yeah. do my best to be like responsible and um you know yeah 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 i, I just you know i think it's, it's sort of the thing you do do everything you can and just hope for the best you know if if i you know, the people that I see, like, every day, I'm quite close to, but I, like, do really miss seeing my, like, casual friends that I'm not that close yeah. with, you know? I really miss, yeah. like, you know, and I'm quite a needy friend, you know? So I think, <laughs> like, I do I do wish I could give the people in my bubble a bit of a break, you know? But I do need constant human interaction to stay alive, you know? Yeah, I think that's totally natural, though. I mean, I wouldn't doesn't necessarily mean to say you're needy or anything it's just it's natural humans are sociable beings you know we, we've been going, going around in packs for as long as we've existed it's not natural to be completely isolated the way that we kind of expected to be at the moment so mm-hmm. i think that's fine tim i think you're all good oh thank you bless <laughs> that's all right that's all right <laughs> um so i was going to ask you then um, you said earlier in the in the conversation that you're a bit of an anglophile. So yes. <laughs> could you just tell me some more about that? Like, where's that come from? What kind of things do you collect? And... Oh, yeah. Well, I sort of, like, I, I think what it was, was I, I grew up, um, my parents were, like, sort of, I feel like my parents were sort of hip a little bit. You know, they had me when they were, like, a bit older, like, 37 or something like that, 38, which is, like, pretty old in the, in the 80s, and, um, I think that, you know, they, they sort of instilled in me the idea that, like, stuff from England was, like, a little bit more cultured, you know, like, we would watch, um, whatever, like, PBS at home, which is, like, an American channel that like imports all the British shows and stuff and they yeah. would have like it was like a public public broadcasting system is that what it is P- PBS I don't know anyway yeah and, yeah, yeah, and they would they would have like um you know um Mr. Humphreys from are you being served or whatever would be standing there saying we're ready to take your call you know you'll get a with a $150 donation you'll get a VHS box set of uh, only fools and horses or whatever and that's sort of like I, I grew up watching like British sitcoms and and um when I was a kid like just seeing stuff that was British I I sort of liked it but I didn't really know why and it wasn't till I dated a girl who was Welsh and uh or like her family was Welsh like her parents mm-hmm. were from Wales and then um after like 
we've been going out for a bit we decided to take a trip to like the UK I was probably about 19 and we went to to Wales and I like was so confused I didn't know anything I like I was like oh yeah I like British TV shows but you know when you're 19 you're like an idiot you know so I like had no no idea like anything I got there and I couldn't believe seeing like titties on the front of like newspapers and stuff it was I was like completely shocked and then like people are like oh do you want some squash and I was like oh yeah sure I'll have squash that's really really weird but okay I was going for it and then they brought me over a glass of like uh like concentrated syrup with water in it and I thought what the fuck is this I like I was trying to figure out how they got the name squash for it you know and then going to like the chippy you know we have fish and chips here and it's like a bit of a british thing but then when you see like they have like curry sauce baked beans mushy peas gravy like and then all the weird stuff like you can get like a rio if you go to a chippy but you can't buy it in a store you know yeah yeah that's a very good point yeah that's so weird right (laughs) like where are they where are the people with the rios getting the rios from you know I think it's just a wholesale thing, or they might make it. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> well, I can, I can. I just thought this is so weird. Like, what's a curry roll? What's all this other like random weird stuff that they had? You know, I've never heard of it, and I just sort of got really into like, I got really into British stuff for some reason. After that trip, I was just like, that was weird. Everyone was driving on the wrong side of the road. Like, all the cars are different. What's a fucking a panda? There's a like a car. Was Fiat Panda. A Fiat Panda. There's a car called a yeah. Panda. There's like cars called like uh Vauxhall. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. there's all these like brands that we don't have in North America. And it was just weird. Everything was different. It was like stepping into yeah. like a like a different like Doctor Who universe or something. <laughs> this is it, because I I've actually never been to Canada or North America myself. Crazy. Um and it feel like I feel like I already kind of know what it would be like just mm-hmm. from watching films and things like that but i guess when you're actually over there it must be a, a totally different thing just and i feel like british sitcoms don't really represent britain a lot of the time you know? <laughs> they really they really <laughs> represent like a british sense of humor which to me is like yeah evolved from like panto and then gone up to like the point of like where the, there's just these really weird like character studies that only appear in like British sitcoms at the yeah. end like no one is happy it's sort of like a very a lot more like realistic life but like yeah when you when you watch British sitcoms you see like the this the what I really love about England is like the thing that I first saw on that first trip which was like the people in the UK are so funny they're like these fuddy-duddy, like, set-in-their-ways type people. And you get people who are, like, um, who are, like, 23, but they act like they're, like, 60, you know? Like, toddling around with a cup of tea, like, wearing their, like, gym jams and, like, slippers or whatever. And you think, like, a young person shouldn't own a pair of slippers. It's, it just seems weird, you know? I'm that person. Yeah. I am that person who's old before the time. <laughs> But I'm like the houses are so cold in the UK. Like everything's cold. There's no warm. Like you can never be warm inside. Everyone's wearing a s- fucking sweater inside their house. I'm wearing one 
You're writing one now. See, I would never think about like being at home and not like when I'm at home, I want to be wearing like literally just my pants, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't want to be walking around with a fuck it have you seen uh there's like mary queen of shops there's an episode where she tries to fix up a home store and the couple that owns it they have like a like a teenage son called denny and he's always in the shop and he wears like a house coat like a ratty old (laughs) house coat the whole time and you think that is so British and such a weird fucking thing. Like that, like a like a teenage boy would just toddle about, pottering around in the home store in a house coat, trying to sell people couches. <laughs> like, it's just so weird, you know. I've definitely been to the corner shop in my pajamas before. I love it, and I, I always wear a dressing gown around the house as well. Especially this last year, I feel like I've just lived in my dressing gown, house coat, you know. <laughs> Like, walking around like I'm the Queen of Bloody Sheba in my my own flat, you know. I feel really grand, like I've got a big cloak on, like a big cape or something, you know. Well, when you come visit, I'll take you around Vancouver, you know. Like, uh, my friend Gav came over from Scotland to stay. And he, like, you know, he, like, thought people were making fun of him in the shop because, like, people are just friendly, you know. Like, random people are just, just, like, not that, that sort of polite, like... Oh, yeah, you know, but they're, um, but people are just like, oh, yeah, how's your day going or whatever? And he'd be like, none of your fucking business, you know? Like, yeah, just like, what do you he's want like, from he's me, like, why, yeah, why do you want to know how my day is? Are you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I like that though. I think, I don't know, it depends on the person, I think, a lot in, in, in UK because you do get a lot of people that are just like, oh, how's your day going? You know, some yeah. nice checkout ladies or people in the shop or whatever, you know? Um, but I think just generally speaking, we are a bit more um, pessimistic, maybe, I think. Yeah, um, I think yeah. people uh, people in the UK who come here, I think, always think that people seem really fake, like fake friendly. And it's mm-hmm. like impossible for them to like understand that people might just be more friendly or like happier. You know, no offense to people from Britain, but like I played in yeah. Leeds and I played with this guy in Leeds and I met him and I was like, hey, man, like, it's great to meet you. And he gave me this huge, sarcastic sort of, like, like, oh, yeah, great to meet you, buddy. Nice to see you. Like, and I was like, what a fucking asshole. And then afterwards, he told me he thought I was making fun of him by telling him it was great to meet him and it was nice to see him. He thought I was joking. That's horrible. I know. What the hell? That's the British for you. friendly? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Maybe he's just a bit of a dickhead by the (laughs) sounds of it. (laughs) you don't need these people in your life do you no but so can you tell me some more as well so i know that you collect things from butlins oh yeah i collect like a few just little (laughs) little random things like when you came to visit before you you love spud you like in the uk oh i love spud you like it's my and in (laughs) chester they have one with roman ruins inside spud you like come see our roman ruins this is it. I mean, where else? Where else in the world could you have Roman ruins and a baked potato? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But I feel like you do have a very unique perception on just British culture. Yes, I absolutely love it. I feel like I could be, you know, like the people who are like really, really British in the UK who love British stuff. They're never like from there. The people who who like have adopted the the British culture who are maybe from another country and they have that outsider's perspective where you can really see like the different 
weird neuroses that British people have. And like, yeah. and even, you know, I absolutely, the thing that I really love that I collect is like, yeah, British like post-war uh, leisure and seaside culture. So like that includes like butlins yeah. and pontons, stuff like that. And uh-huh. I, and I love sort of like that whole, oh, we're going to the seaside, not just because it's like cool and nostalgic and 50s or whatever, but I really like that, you know, it's always raining. And there's all these British people sat in the rain at the seaside, you know? I think it's amazing. I I think it's, like, so funny and, like, the sort of things where you, like, rent a chair. Like, they don't have that here. Mm -hmm. You can't rent a chair at the beach. You bring your own chair, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, And there's, like, certain like snacks you would get for the seaside i love that british people love a car journey they always get candies like for like hard sweets for a car journey or they have like oh, original yeah you're driving like an hour down the road but everyone gets snacks and you stop at like a service station <laughs> it's like we just don't have that here we don't have service stations like we don't have like like these huge things in like the middle of a highway with like a fucking burger king and a starbucks and a like uh like the yeah, the yorkshire tea little. machine outside the wh smith there's like the car <laughs> like the car phone warehouse or whatever i love car phone <laughs> warehouse the first thing i do every time i get to the uk i go to car phone warehouse that's the first thing yeah that's i love it port of call. and iceland i love iceland mums you know love what? iceland get behind that yeah they've started doing vegan sausage rolls oh there, my FYI. christ Amazing. Yeah, man, you, you can get frozen ones. So I think this is just a, a thing that they brought out during lockdown because you can't go to Greg's like you normally would do every other Wait, day. Wait, is Greg's not open? It's just a counter, right? There's not like seating in Greg's. No, no. Well, I don't think so at the moment. Anyway, what are you guys I, doing? I don't know, actually, is it open? I don't know. I'm not trying to be honest with you. I mean, normally when I'm just in town and I walk past, I can't just walk past to Greg's. I have to go in and get a vegan sausage roll. Yeah. So, and I'm just not in town anymore. I'm just at home or having a walk around a bloody rainy park at the <laughs> moment with a lot. <laughs> Obviously, you'd have a whale of a time looking at the British people at the moment. Oh, I love it. So today, actually, in Britain, I don't know if this is the same where you are as well, but it's called Blue Monday. Have you no, heard of it before? don't have it. I mean, just the New Order song. Oh, it, that's, that might be where it's come from, actually. So Blue Monday is basically meant to be the most depressing day of the year. <laughs> like, we've got a name for it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wait, is it every year or is it just this year? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's every year, yeah. Um, I have, I've heard of it before, so I presume it's every year. But it's, it's Blue Monday, so it's middle of January. We haven't seen the sunlight in a while now. It's a Monday, so everyone's kind of going back to work as well. So it's Blue Monday, and I'm, I've been feeling the effects of it. Me, me and my friend <laughs> Chloe, who I'm staying with, yeah. like last night we were driving, we had a little just drive around just to get out of the house a bit, and we were just like, oh, God, I just, I'm just so bored of lockdown now. And just, oh, it just felt really funny. And, <laughs> yeah, Blue Monday, this is it. I think, you know, you sound almost delighted that you've felt the effects <laughs> of it, and I think that's so British, and I, I absolutely love that. It's like a disconnect, isn't it, from what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. I, yeah, just, yeah. I find it you're funny, like, if like, anything, at I this can't, point. I can't believe it. I, fe- I really felt the Blue Monday. I was really depressed. I love it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is it. It's um, very strange. Very strange. Okay. <laughs> right. So, another part of the podcast then. 
away from blue one day yeah um we've got something called totally snick have you heard us say this before no you know what go totally for it. snick is what is it okay so totally snick is basically what's been like really cool what's been happening to you what have you been doing that's totally snick like what's the highlight of your week what Ooh. would you look at and say well that that's totally snick what is totally snick for you tim right now well i don't i don't know how much uh info you've given the the listeners on like who i am or whatever but i what i do is like i run i work at a record store in vancouver and i um i run a record label called kingfisher blues i, I put out the penis seven inch among many others and um i put out maybe like almost i think probably about 175 records on vinyl over the last nine or ten years and um I also own a bookshop called Reasons to Live Books. So I've been working a lot in my bookshop, working Mm -hmm. in the record store. I've got a bunch of releases coming out on the label, including a new record for uh, Model Village, who are from Cambridge. And I've got a record coming out for uh, Brown Belt, who are from... I don't know. They're from the UK. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I know. I I think they're from London, but I don't know. Uh I should I should ask them what city they're from. But Brown Belt, yeah, they're great. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what else have I been doing? I just recorded a new album, and I'm, like, it's been busy through the lockdowns. You know, so there's no shows to play. So I recorded two albums. I'm working on like the next one now. Yeah. So you've not found that this has affected your creativity at all then this this last year? No, I told you I just I just wrote a song while I was setting up my Zoom here, you know. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's I, so good. I think it's just because I was excited to talk to you. I haven't seen you in a while, yeah. so I like I I was yeah, buoyed by that um, sort of like oh gonna have a chat, catch up with Rach, you know. And I thought I got an idea for a song, and I cranked a song out right there so i'm i'm looking forward to like you know um writing more you know i think being depressed always gives you good material so you know being like sad that i can't see my friends can't go to shows or whatever and um that's like yeah kept me going you know creative mm-hmm. it, like is not really like a problem for me right now but i definitely mm-hmm. see like on instagram some people saying that you know, they haven't really had any new experiences, so they have nothing to write about or whatever for the last year. Yeah, this is it. This is it. I think a lot of people, I think different people are just experiencing it in different ways at the moment. It's interesting to see, like, and it's really good as well to see that you've been writing so much and getting getting out two albums as well. It sounds like it's been really good. Yeah, well, one, <laughs> one album I had written already at the beginning of the pandemic, so I was about mm-hmm. to record it, and then we had to, like, cancel the recording session. Um, so even though it was already written, I couldn't like record it. And then we ended up recording it bit by bit, like at like home studios through like my friend who lives in Victoria, um, which is on Vancouver Island, like sends me over the tracks and then I sing on it, send it back. And it's sort of been like a slow process. And now we're just uh, mixing it. So through that, like it took me instead of like three days to record a record, it's taken me like a few months going back and forth okay yeah, yeah it's so, an interesting way of doing it as well though yeah like adapting to to the new world well you know i think like i always wanted to i wanted to i was like quite depressed at the beginning of when i was maybe like 23 or 24 and i didn't really know what 
to do and I sort of didn't really didn't really have like a clear answer on what I was going to do with my life you know and I I was like yeah just like really depressed and I and I was like well maybe instead of like just killing myself what I'll do is like I'll I'll just check in with myself in like 10 years and see if it's passed you know like the panic yeah see if all that like anxiety and depression and and panic has passed and maybe I'll be able to like you know maybe I'm just young and maybe I'll be able to live like a normal life um but maybe what I'll do is I'll rec- record and release an album every year for 10 years and then once I have 10 albums out there's no way I could say like I haven't done anything you know so, absolutely and if you have you stuck to that as well yeah I stuck to that as well like writing and recording that's an album amazing. every year um so that's been like such a, a good experience for me and I'm and I can't even like entertain the idea of like packing it all in until I can like stop and go yeah I've like released a body of work that I'm really proud of at which point hopefully I'll I'll just think to myself good one you know <laughs> yeah, just, after all that, yeah, good one, good one, good one. Yeah. nice one, Tim. <laughs> nice one, Tim. Good work, Tim. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. And, and you always self-released your albums. Yeah, you? I I always wanted yeah. to to run my own record label, and I don't know. I used to have like a a radio show back when I was like maybe nineteen, twenty, on the like university radio station, and um, and I just like. I always played, you know, this is like at the time where blogs were really big and like yeah. I would find stuff on blogs and I would play it and then like the bands I played would always get really, really popular after and I thought, damn, I've got like, you know, a good ear for this stuff and I, I thought, definitely, yeah, I thought, oh, I'm maybe I'll like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought, hey, maybe I'll, maybe I'll start my own record label or something and it turns out it was dead easy, you know, for like a couple of years I dragged my feet thinking oh yeah like there'll probably be a point where I'm more of an adult and more set up and I can like afford to do it and then I realized well I mean if I'm waiting to have enough money to like randomly waste thousands of dollars on records like I'll be waiting a long time you know so I thought instead of that I'll just get a credit card rack up some debt you know take a punt on a record and see if how it goes you know and I Mm -hmm. put out a record like hustled and I sold them all in like um you know a couple months and then I repressed it and I sold most of those and I thought okay I'll do another one and and then before I knew it I'm you know here I am like 10 years later with like 175 titles under my belt I feel like what I'm really proud of is if someone like wrote a book about music in Vancouver there's no way that they could like ignore like my label or what I've done in Vancouver, you know? Absolutely. And Absolutely. Like, it's, it's amazing how you've worked with everyone over in the UK as well, you know? It's, yeah. it's an international record label, isn't it? Oh, I, I definitely... I've done records from for bands from, like, everywhere from, you know, um, Australia to mm-hmm. um, to Germany to Malta. I've I've got so many cool records out that I absolutely love from, like, artists that you know, I've made friendships with over the fact that, like, I released their album, you know? Even, like, I don't even know how I met you guys. I think I just heard you on Bandcamp and sent you a message, I think. God, it was years ago, wasn't it now? It was 2015, I think, that you released us, wasn't it? Crazy. Yeah, it's like (laughs) six years ago. 
That's cra- that's, oh my god, well, my life's flashing before my eyes. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, I'm thinking of all the weight I've put on in the last six years, you know? I was such a spry young guy it back in. the last six months, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so how do you go around finding the, these bands as well? Like, do you just browse through Bandcamp or Spotify, or do you have a certain kind of well, now, method that you use? Or? I, I feel like now, at, back then, what I did is I, like, I listened to some um, Scottish music show on BBC Six or something. And, okay, yeah. And I would, like, just always hear stuff that I liked, and, and they would be like, oh, yeah, like, this artist, like, self-released, or, like, this artist who's, like, on some tiny Scottish label, then I'll, like, I'll be like, ooh, I like that. You know, I love I love Scotland, so I, like, would send over a message. And that's how I sort of, I first met um, Adam Stafford, who's, like, a an artist I released back in like 2012 or something and I did um Rick Redbeard who's from Glasgow as well and like mm-hmm. I sort of heard all these people just on the radio and thought oh I'll write to them and I think mm-hmm. it does have like a little appeal being like oh like some Canadian label is gonna release us you know it's sort of like yeah of, yeah. The, of a novelty you know but I have lost a few records to like bands where i've been like yeah i really want uh i really want to put out your record and they're like oh cool and then a british label will contact them and they're like oh well we're gonna do it with like a label that has a like more of a a profile in the uk so i have lost a couple records due to that but you know i think there is like the, the sort of novelty of having like a canadian label involved or whatever it's been yeah, great. It. Yeah, it's... it all went really smoothly, to be honest, when we worked with you as well. <laughs> well, that's the it thing, you know. I don't, I don't, I mean, like, I understand, like, why some labels do it differently, because, like, I make no money on my label, but, like, it's not a business. The reason I do it is just for fun, you know, so I, I don't mm-hmm. take masters off artists. I don't make anyone sign a contract, and I, like, won't sign any contracts, you know. I, mm-hmm. the only thing I do is, like, handshake deals it's all done like just for the purpose of of fun and like making a a thing exist that wasn't there before and it's very like DIY spirited and the whole point of my label is just to to sort of showcase stuff that I think is cool and not to really like fun stuff I think will like make money you know yeah definitely the, the stuff that has like yeah I mean the stuff that has made money has been like just a great surprise like I believe every every record that I work on is should blow up and should be like really popular but you know I'm it's popular with me and that's all that like really matters you know I know that I can mm-hmm. always sell like 200 copies of a record so if I press 200 records for someone and you know and they go on tour and promote it then I know I'm not gonna be left with any records and like that's like a job well done for me I don't want every record to sell like I don't actually go into any of my records thinking I'm oh I'm gonna repress this and sell like Mm -hmm. thousands of copies or whatever and sells what it sells yeah yeah it just sort of sells what it sells and and I feel like there's no record I'm doing that's gonna sell like you know three copies or something I I mostly do them for my yeah. for my friends and and is yeah it's a total blast I like I think the the whole point for me is to know that um the when I'm working with an artist that they're never gonna get like 
screwed out of something because of me and they're not gonna like ever be like upset with me you know yeah hopefully yeah Oh, no, <laughs> we yeah. definitely haven't been. So do you carry that kind of the DIY ethic over to the other the other work that you do? So yeah, definitely. I know that you work in the bookshop as well and like doing your own releases. Is it is that just kind of like a, an ethic of all of the work that you do and just life generally? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, um, you know, I don't really know like what value my life has as like a thing that I that I do, you know? like the the real joy I get in my life is from reading books and watching tv and like watching movies and stuff like I that's what really makes me happy like basically just like you know just like enjoying shit like that I like you know what I mean I like eating and and you know reading and stuff and like that's like I'm happy with that like making money and shit like doesn't mean anything to me so yeah you know for for me like with my bookstore like I I will never like I never want to make more money than the people that work in the store you know what I mean it's Mm -hmm. really important to me that everyone gets like an equal share of the the money for the amount of work they do you know what I mean not that one person is making more money than the other people so even though I'm like you know, like, an owner of the store, like, I don't want someone who works for me to, like, to to make less money than me for the hours they work, you know? Of course, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I don't want to, like, you know, I feel like I'm very honest. It's an honest business, like, selling books because it's sort of, like, when you buy something for a dollar, like, mm-hmm. you're saying, I'm going to buy this book for a dollar and I'm going to sell it for, like, six dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, people don't even want money for their books. They're just, like, so happy for them to go to, like, a used bookstore. But when I, like, buy, like, a big collection and I can go, right, well, this, like, book is worth, like, $40. So I'm going to give you $20 for it, you know? Everything about it is, like, very honest. You know, I can tell people, like, what I'm going to sell a book for. And no one is ever, like, what, you're going to, like, buy this for a dollar, sell it for two? Like, people know how the business works. and, And I feel like running a bookstore is just like just really honest work because you're essentially curating like a room full of books you bring in stuff that you think is going to sell and like stuff that you like and you can you have that sort of um where you can be like you can if you build a relationship with a customer you can go yeah like you can trust my taste because I like this and and then that person will like buy whatever you're saying that you like you know what I mean so I have to like yeah. sort of build up, you know, I have to be like more outgoing to like build up the um, the idea for people that follow me on like Instagram or whatever that, hey, like this is some something that this is a person who you can trust their opinion because they like the same stuff that you like or whatever. So Yeah, build up like a real relationship with the person and you, you understand what their tastes are and can give them recommendations for that. So there's like a social aspect to that as well. Yeah, definitely. I think like I'm not like marketing a product really so much is that I'm trying to like put myself out there to be like, I'm just a person that like likes this and this and this. And if you like all the same stuff as me, follow my page and you can buy like these books or whatever, you know, at Reasons to yeah. Live Books on instagram reasons i should say books. yeah yeah at reasons <laughs> to live books and I'll um, put a tag on that. I'll yeah put yeah you. <laughs> you know we specialize in nature books travel books and like british imports 
and we saw a lot of like literary fiction and a lot of like nature guides and stuff like that so it's a it's sort of a cool store and we're the only bookstore in the city that we're in so yeah it's a are you the only bookstore yeah yeah no way yeah, in it's vancouver not, no no we're not in vancouver we're in like the oh, okay yeah i have it's crazy it's like about a two-hour trip from vancouver i have to take a, a ferry there every week right okay so if so where are you living at the moment just outside of vancouver no i live in vancouver but i drive okay. to it's in gibson's bc which is like ah, on okay. a peninsula so i have to drive all the way to like west vancouver get on a ferry take a 40 minute ferry ride to so i drive to like the absolute edge of vancouver to the uh-huh. ocean take a ferry to like a peninsula that you can't really access by road and then oh, wow. it's like a town of 5000 people it's like a it's sort of like a beautiful british seaside town you know it's like that sounds great yeah it's like going to mumbles or something <laughs> mumbles <laughs> <laughs> so oh i've got another question to ask you then okay yes. so with the diy ethic being prominent in, in your life and you've still managed to financially support yourself mm-hmm. throughout having having that that lifestyle so something that what we have a band individually have all kind of struggled with is juggling work along with the band stuff and mm-hmm. you know paying rent in expense not really particularly expensive places but just you know being able to pay rent and bills and have a car and things like that alongside having such a commitment where we're traveling around a lot for for work and performing stuff so how have you felt because i know vancouver is a very expensive city to live in so have you struggled to balance that at any point like have you had to kind of sacrifice it at any point in order to if you don't mind me asking yeah yeah no no i mean i make like i guess uh a little less than like about two thousand dollars a month canadian so Mm -hmm. it's like i make it's like probably the equivalent of like a thousand quid a month is mm-hmm. that that's like not that much, right? That's I think that that's still livable, definitely. Yeah. So like, um, and but the thing is, I never do anything I don't want to do, which is like yeah. sort of, you know, I've been fired from like every job I've ever had, until I started working in record stores, which is like pretty much impossible to get fired from. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. I I'm essentially like at at the record store I work at. You know, like I'm technically like self-employed and i get paid to do like a job which is like buying and selling records you know Mm -hmm. so i i have like these various like things that i have skills in which have happened by accident just from me knowing a lot about books and knowing a lot about records and knowing a lot about collectibles and stuff um i decided you know there's that thing where people say you do what you love you never work a day in your life right and I, th- yeah. and I didn't just hear that and go, yeah, that's a good idea. I thought that's what I need because I can't keep a job because I'm so fucking like, I'm slow. I like can't learn stuff quickly. I'm, uh-huh. and I'm like, not very like outwardly nice to people. I don't think I'm sort of like, if someone asked me like a stupid question, I can't stop myself from being like, wow, that's such a stupid question. You know, like I can't stop myself. <laughs> So like I like yeah. I just can't last like working in a coffee shop or something which I did for a long time. I've been fired from like 10 different coffee shops for being late for work, for being like rude to customers, you know. But I'm I'm not rude to yeah, people for no fair. reason. I'm only rude to people who are rude to me, you know. 
But if someone like yeah, if yeah. someone like curses at me, I'll curse back at them or whatever. And I guess at some mm-hmm. point, a boss think, doesn't like that, you know. Oh, I think you've got the right idea, Tim. I mean, <laughs> I've worked in a lot of customer service jobs. So I worked a couple of years ago in a call centre for a credit card Oof, company. I've done that. <sighs> it's hard work, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of abuse you'd receive down the phone every day. I mean, and, and you had to be like, yes, yes, I understand. I mean, really, you just want to be like, hold up a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be done know me like don't speak to me like this you know but yeah. you can't in this situation so you know I, I think you've got the right idea there Tim one thing I've noticed honesty. working in call centers is people will sometimes call you the only thing they want to do is rage at you because they're mad oh, and it, God, and yeah. then they're just like they think you're like a punching bag to take out their anger on and and mm-hmm. it, it's usually about something else that doesn't have anything to do with you that's going on in their day and a lot of the time it doesn't have anything to do with the product they're complaining about you know like yeah, I worked at uh, at T-Mobile in like the call center, and you guys call it T-Mobile, right? T-Mobile, yeah. Yeah, see, so like we were like, he was like, never say mobile. It's T-Mobile, mobile. You have to say mobile, mobile. and it was like never okay. say mobile. But that I think in the UK okay. because they say mobile phone or whatever, like yeah, yeah, you know That's that funny, I think isn't it? Yeah, okay. yeah. So they say mobile there, but you know when you go into the car phone warehouse, you're ready to go T-Mobile. <laughs> But, but, um, yeah, working at a call center was really tough for me because I, I like to have like slightly, I mean, my goal in customer service is to give people like what I would want, which is like a slightly strange interaction with someone that will make you walk away going like, that was funny. You know, like I want, I want to like be weird with someone, but like, I want Mm -hmm. them to walk away feeling like they're in on the joke. Not that like I was antagonizing them, you know? Like, I sort of give that sort of, like, fun, like, winky, like, joking around where people are sort of, like, that guy was weird, right? That was, like, what a, what a strange guy or whatever, you know? (laughs) But I want them to walk away being, like, that's something, like, Amazon will never, like, make fun of you for ordering, like, a Hootie and the Blowfish record or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if you go on Amazon, you just... I mean, that's what a lot of people want is to, like, sit there in their underwear, like ordering stuff online and never interacting with someone you know Mm -hmm. but for me like like I have to understand like in a bookstore people are coming in the bookstore because they don't want to sit online in their underwear and order something they're coming in because they want to have like maybe they read a lot of books but they don't know anyone that reads books so they want to come in and talk about books they love or they want to come in and be seen as like a bookish person like an interesting like a geeky person or someone who like they come in to sort of show off like like hey like hey I'm Tim and I really like Butlins do you have any books on Butlins or whatever and it's not like yeah, going yeah. it's not like going oh like yeah come see our huge Butlins section you know mm-hmm. it's it's sort of like a person is coming in because they're like well, they want to talk to you about something and all their friends are bored of it, you know? So mm-hmm. I have to, like, be, like, willing to, like, accept the the thing that people are looking for and give them something they didn't know they were looking for, which was to be ridiculed for their weird hobbies or whatever. <laughs> this is it. I think, I think about a lot of online shopping can kind of take away just like the random experience of other things that you might be interested in in stores you know you can look exactly what you're looking for say on amazon Mm -hmm. look exactly what you're looking for find exactly what you're looking for and then not have a conversation with anyone about oh have you heard of this thing related to this Mm -hmm. like you know have you heard of 
you know, if you're interested in Butlins, have you heard of Scunthorpe? I've got yeah, a book yeah, here on Scunthorpe Nature yeah, yeah. Reserve if you'd like to have a read, you know? Yeah. Well, so, I think yeah. that's, like, so important. And, and for me, like, I just realised, like, I thought that is something that is valuable. Like, even though no one I know is, like, asking for that service, I think... I think that people do want it on some level. People do want to come in and and be have something recommended to them, to have someone like sort of um like tell them like wow, like your interests are, are cool and I am interested in everything. So here's like so I thought I'll take my skill which is being able to like antagonize people in weird ways and my skill of of knowing a lot about random stuff and yeah. like my skill of like buying and selling stuff that's like collectible and I'll turn that into like a career where I don't have to like work for someone you know and I thought like yeah to to me like I that was like I was turning 30 and I didn't know what the fuck I was like am I gonna be working for like minimum wage in record stores for the rest of my life am I gonna be 50 years old working in a record store I need to like own something I need to like have something that I can be like proud of because I didn't just like keep living after wanting to kill myself at like 23 24 I didn't just keep living to like be a clerk when I'm 50 you know and nothing wrong with that but for me I couldn't do it you know so I wanted to so badly I just thought I never want to wear a uniform again check you know what I mean like I never want to be like working for minimum wage and like I'm I you know I don't do that anymore like the only thing I do now is like I work and I get like chunks of money will come in and out of my bank account and I like live off like the little scraps of extra money or whatever when I need money to pay my phone bill I don't just wait for a paycheck or whatever I can like pay my phone bill or whatever and that comes from like design that you know as I know that I can't work a normal job and I can't be like just like a you know a a record store clerk forever so I want to I want to do what I love and there has to be a way to make money doing it because I still have to pay my rent and stuff so I think like yeah I think that's the really is like the do-it-yourself attitude you know it's sort of Mm -hmm. like that it is like punk and it is DIY and it's like but you know it's sort of anti-capitalist as well you know like i i work in a store and we sell stuff but like the stuff we sell is like fairly priced and it and the store is like community oriented and it's something that you know you can go into no matter how much money you have and like you don't get treated differently you you know you just buy whatever you want and all the stuff is in the store and you and you can still have the same conversation or whatever and it and even if there's even if you don't have any money, you know, you people still come in and, and talk to us or whatever, and then they might come back and buy a book later, you know? I think it's cool. isn't it? Yeah. So just, to anyone, literally anyone. <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is it, yeah. I think yeah. that's fascinating. I think it's brilliant that, that you've managed to do that as well. I think it's... I think I've, I've always thought it's a very tricky thing to do to be able to fully support yourself doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I've always just worked random jobs. Yeah, <laughs> really. I've, I've never. I have. I have been self-employed, but through another another company anyway. So it's like kind of still waiting on a monthly paycheck, mm-hmm. um, as it is. But 
you bloody inspired me tim you oh have. thank you so much you know it's you have it is important yeah, to me yeah. to to sort of like make it known to people that if you want to like not work like the option is out there you know like you can mm-hmm. if you find out what you're good at and just like remember that we live in a capitalist society and that there has you know there's right now there's no way really that you can that a person who you know if you wanted to just not pay rent it would be really difficult you know like mm-hmm. like i know that i need to pay rent and if i want a storefront i need to pay rent on the storefront all of that like seems fair to me i understand like that i i have to work within this construct that we like live in or whatever and yeah. i'm not you know i've chosen to like not profiteer off that stuff or whatever not that that option's really open to me you know i sell books and like it's it's not like a like a money making business or whatever but if it can make enough money to keep it open if it can make enough money to pay my phone bill and to buy groceries and stuff for the the people who work there like all that stuff is so important that i like it will become hopefully something that provides like a livelihood to other people like me who don't yeah. want to work at like a a call center anymore or whatever you know absolutely that's brilliant thank oh, you tim yeah. thank you this is brought us on actually to the last little bit mm-hmm. of the podcast that i wanted to cover with you so we do something every every two weeks called vulnerability corner Ooh. okay so it's we take these questions from a game i don't know if you've seen it before actually it's called we're not really strangers oh yeah i have seen it, have you seen it? yeah yeah okay cool so and there's three different stages to it but we'll just ask you one of the questions from um the connection stage i think it is what is hard about dating you about dating me i think about dating you a a lot of records show up in your apartment when you start dating me it's sort of like um i'm always like picking up huge boxes of stuff and i need to like carry boxes of records boxes of books around (laughs) so like before you like everyone that i've dated like before you know it like you're under your bed like closets and stuff there's now like boxes of records that i'm assembling and and it, it can be like I think a little overwhelming for some people. Other people yeah. are more chill about it, but it it is like I think besides that, um I can be like I'm very like into clear communication. So especially mm-hmm. someone who I've dated like a few British girls, you know, British people are very like can tend to not be great at communicating like their feelings mm-hmm. and like um for me i'm i'm really like interested in like intention and like the motivation behind like why people act the way they do so yeah i'm i'm very much like stop like let's talk about this you know and yeah i think like that can be like a little bit confrontational for some people um mm-hmm. but i do my best to obviously like i don't want to be a dick and i like try to to tailor my behavior to like suit the people that i'm with but mm-hmm. uh, my natural state is to be like, wait, like, let's talk about this. And and that mm-hmm. is something that I think goes a long way. So I'm not like, like, embarrassed about that. But I do think it might be difficult for some people, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess with, with British people as well, 
like you say, we just kind of beat around the bush about things. Yeah, yeah. So that that might be a handy thing, to be fair, to, to pick something out and just be like, well, wait up a second, rather than beating around the bush about this topic for the next year. Yeah. Let's talk, let's just talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably a, a good thing, you know. Yeah. Well, no one can deny that having boxes of records show up around your kitchen cupboards yeah. is that that would definitely be frustrating. <laughs> I guess depends on how you feel about clutter. Like, yeah, yeah this is it. I but... mean, I can show you my apartment. Is like, oh my god, you've got so much! Oh wow, yeah, just, just what like books have you got there? There's like oh. just like thousands of books piled up all over my apartment. Like, I love I love clutter. I think that would be a difficult part about dating me. Like, you know. And I'm always, I'm always recommending that. books to people as well. I'm like, oh, you should read this. And then, you know, someone I'm dating will end up with like 40 or 50 books that I've like, you know, excitedly <laughs> gifted to them or lent them being like, I can't wait to hear what you think of this, you know? 40 books at once. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh my God. How can I ever finish this? <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you very much for being on, Tim. Thanks so much for having what me. I really appreciate you, you asking me, you know, it, I, I love I love showing up and doing stuff like this it's a blast and especially just being able to, to talk to you again you know it's been a while so it's nice to see you and I hope we can go for um, a nice pret-a-manger next time 99p filtered coffee super greens that and reds lovely. you know let's do that, that soon bloody lovely <laughs> I'd love that